nuclear risk, climate change, and the rise of disruptive technologies like AI, all of them are threats to humankind created by human beings. Back in 1947, folks at the University of Chicago worked to create an easy way to understand man-made threats to life on Earth. It's called the Doomsday Clock, and the project is still going strong 77 years later. Right now, the clock is set to 90 seconds to midnight. And here to explain is Daniel Holtz, professor in U Chicago's Department of Astronomy and Astrophysics. Welcome, professor. Yeah. Hi, Sasha. Thanks for having me on. So before we get into the details of, of why the clock is set so close to midnight, I want you to take us back. Tell us more of the history of the Doomsday Clock and, and its origin story. Yeah. So the Doomsday Clock was, as you said, uh, first came out in 1947. It's uh, run by a, an organization called the Bulletin of the Atomic Scientists. And these were scientists that were involved in the Manhattan Project, and many of them working with Enrico Fermi at the University of Chicago, um, helping, you know, build the bomb. Mm -hmm. And and this included uh, Oppenheimer and Einstein was also involved in the bulletin. Um, these scientists were concerned. They realized the immense power that was being released mm -hmm. by, you know, by these nuclear discoveries, and they were concerned. And they were specifically concerned even very early uh, when only the U.S. had these weapons, they were concerned about there might be a Cold War, that uh, other nations would develop this mm -hmm. technology, and that eventually things might run out of control and we might blow up the world, yeah. literally. And they realized that very early, um, and they created this clock to kind of warn the world, you know, here are the experts, they're concerned, let's inform the public, let's inform policymakers that these are, this is a serious business and we need to be careful and deliberate. Yeah, so there's an Oppenheimer and an Einstein connection there. Very, very interesting. So that, that doomsday clock, I mean, it is uh, a symbol for, as I said, threats to humanity by humanity, right? Uh, what does midnight signify exactly? So, so midnight's a little fuzzy. Um, it could certainly signify the end of humanity entirely. But um, I think more generally, it signifies the collapse of civilization as we know it, really the end of, you know, everything we've accomplished um, uh, as a civilization to date, all that stuff goes away. So widespread collapse, billions of people dead, um, basically a world we none of us would want to live in. Oh, for sure. For sure. Over the past 12 years, the clock has gone from five minutes to midnight to just 90 seconds to midnight. And so, I mean, talk big picture here, Professor, but give us some of the major world events that you you say are, are pushing us closer to the brink. Yeah. So there's a, a range of developments that we're worried about and have been tracking. Um, one obvious one is climate change, which is at this point clearly happening. It's clearly happening because of human beings. Um, and and there's some awareness and growing developments that are somewhat hopeful, but, but things are happening too slowly. Mm -hmm. and, and, for example, this past year was the hottest year on record by a long shot. Right. Um, and, and that's extremely concerning. And so, you know, the models are being borne out. Things are happening the way the scientists said they would. And um, it's only going to get worse. And, and that's very alarming. Um, another thing that's been of great concern uh, to us is uh, the the kind of rise of nuclear weapons as something that people are talking about. Um, there's a lot more saber rattling. You might have thought at the end of the Cold War, we made it through. Somehow we survived. Mm -hmm. Now we're okay. And 
for a while, that was really the feeling, and the doomsday clock went all the way back to 17 minutes to midnight. Um, there was kind of a general optimism. Mm-hmm. And I would say that's shifted quite a bit, especially in the last few years. And at this point, uh, we've seen uh, Putin threaten to use nuclear weapons in Ukraine, mm-hmm. um, and and he's moving nuclear weapons to Belarus. And there, there's a lot of activities there where you could imagine Maybe by mistake or miscalculation, weapons are used, and that would be terrible. That's right on the border of Europe. I mean, things could spiral out of control. Yeah. And that was inconceivable, I would say, 10 years ago, and now here we are. Not so and much anymore. Happening. Yeah. It's happening. So does the, the bullet of a, of a bulletin of atomic scientists, does it see it? Any one of those threats is more pressing than the other, or are you just looking at threats in the aggregate? So we, we try to kind of look holistically at everything yeah. and and one thing that we're increasingly concerned about is the way all these threats interact so for example climate change is extremely destabilizing for the world there'll be uh, you know refugee crises where you know talk, we're talking about hundreds of millions or maybe even billions of people losing their homes um, needing to you know go just go somewhere else to live because where they used to be is uninhabitable. Um, there'll be wars over resources. There could be collapse of our food supply. All of this leads to you know greater conflict, and greater conflict makes war more. You know, obviously, war is more likely, and the use of nuclear weapons more likely. One of these spirals out of control, and and you know, we're, it's all over. Yeah, and so. There's that. There's AI is something we've been talking about. It's these disruptive technologies. We talk a lot about biological threats, pandemics or weapons. Um, There are just a lot of developments. A lot of them interact. AI makes, you know, disinformation much easier, makes it much harder for us to address things like climate change because you can kind of shift the narrative. You can you can kind of shift reality so mm-hmm. people no longer know what to believe. And and if we don't have kind of a common shared base of facts and truth, h- how do we address these pressing problems? So, Yeah, and, and then last year the clock was uh, set to 90 seconds that's right. to midnight for the first time. What prompted that? Was, was that the climate change? Uh, climate change was part of it, but probably the biggest issue last year was Ukraine. It was Ukraine. Um, and when that was happening, that was when we were in the middle of you know, Russia making really dire threats, mm-hmm. basically back off or we will, you know, nuke you. Yeah. And and there were advisors to Putin saying we should just do this like it's time. And um, and and so kind of interacting with that, trying to, you know, think that through. These are the sorts of things that for decades, experts who spend their lives studying how would we end up in a nuclear war? What yeah. are the what are the most concerning paths? This this started to play out. This is exactly the sort of situation where mm. Putin had made threats. Maybe he'd be backed into a corner. He'd think this is the only way forward. And he can just make that unilateral decision, and then we're all done. And so we, we were very concerned about that. Yeah. And we're still concerned about that. It's perhaps stabilized a little bit. The threats have, you know, tamped down. So maybe we'll be able to pull it back, but we're not sure. Well, here's the thing. I mean, you and everybody else who works on this project, you spend a lot of time thinking about these threats and worst-case scenarios. 
apocalyptic events, right? Uh, but yet in an op-ed in USA Today, you say you also see hope. Yeah. yeah. Tell us more. Yeah. So, um, so uh, yeah. Hope is important, so we always need hope. And I do think there are reasons for optimism. I think climate change is one example. I mean, we have had the hottest year, as I mentioned. This mm-hmm. is not a good situation. On the other hand, there's a lot more awareness. Um, I don't think there's nearly as much debate now about whether it's happening and whether it's our fault. I think that's more or less established, yeah. which is definitely progress. People are starting to take it seriously and, and, and do what's needed to be done. And perhaps more importantly, technology has moved forward. The price of renewable energy, wind and solar, has dropped precipitously. There have been immense investments, something like $1.7 trillion worldwide in, in renewables. Um, they're really taking over, and, and that's extremely hopeful. Yeah. It's not happening fast enough. Um, we need more. We need better, but but at least it's it's moving in the right direction. And so that's a clear reason for hope. And I think in addition, there is much more awareness. You know, Ukraine has kind of brought to the fore that we still have these nuclear weapons. Many of them are on hair trigger alert at any moment. Um, for example, the president of the United States could, for any reason at all or no reason, effectively push the button. It's called sole authority, and, mm-hmm. and the weapons launch, and civilization is over. That could happen at any moment. 30 minutes from now, we could all be gone. Certainly in Chicago, oh, geez. we'd be gone. And that's just the world we live in. That doesn't seem like a good structure for the world. And so I think there's growing awareness. Maybe that's not the way we want the system to work. There's no reason to be in such a hurry to make the kind of most consequential decision in human civilization to do it in a rush. Mm-hmm. And so maybe let's change that system. Um, so I think there are a bunch of things that kind of can give hope. On the other hand, there's a long list of things to worry about. And kind of balancing that out, we're now still at 90 seconds to midnight, which, mind you, is not worse than last year. But it's not better. Yeah, it's remained in the same position. It's remained as last year. in the same position. And that's the closest in our, you know, that's the closest it's ever been to midnight. So, in the history of the clock and in the history of humanity having the power to end civilization, in our judgment, this is the closest we've ever been yeah. right now. Uh, you know, as you were talking there, Professor, it reminded me that, uh, you know, this morning I talked with. Uh, WGN meteorologist Tom Skilling, and now he is retiring after 45 years as a weatherman for this uh, for this city. And I was thinking about how during that time we went from learning about global warming to climate change to activists and experts now calling the situation a climate emergency. Uh, you know, we all know how bad it is, right? So uh, I would love to hear more about the potential positives here. Yeah. So, I mean, as you said, climate change is one of these things. Scientists have been talking about climate change for a long time. Uh, The physics is actually pretty simple. Uh, Already in, I think, 1978, the Bulletin of the Atomic Scientists, my organization, um, published a cover story where we said, is humankind warming the planet? With the answer, yes. Um, And so it's been known for a long time Mm -hmm. that this is happening. and 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 now things just are clearly getting worse. We're seeing you know fires and floods and ex- these extreme climate events. Uh, you know the ice is melting. It's everywhere you look. It's bad news. However, um, 
the the solution to climate change is in some ways remarkably straightforward. We just need to stop burning fossil fuels. That's mm. it. And and there that is I think that awareness is starting to sink in. And now that there's a growing sense of the urgency, um, it's it's clear what the path might be. I mean, and renewables play a huge part of that, and we have to kind of uh, remove carbon from our grid. And 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 there's a lot of progress there, and there's increasing investments. And and I I believe, you know, and I'm a scientist. I believe that this is something we can solve. Yeah, we've solved immense problems. We're you know, we've come come up with huge innovations. We have cell phones and we have all this, you know, amazing, you know, advancements in medicine and all sorts of stuff that have improved people's lives. And I believe this is something we can solve. We just need the political will. That's yeah. the main holdup now. And so I think the more that, you know, the listeners, you know, everyone everywhere in the world starts clamoring for for change, for, you know, this is something that affects us all, every single person on the planet. This is something we've got to address. It's urgent. We know we can address it. Let's put pressure on the politicians to do the right thing. And I think if that happens, we can turn the tide. We can avoid the worst Mm -hmm. uh, effects of climate. And I think increasingly, you know, there's optimism in the people that do the modeling that that we can we we can maybe it won't be the worst case you know i'm sure you've had people tell you this uh, professor holtz we don't need a clock to tell us that things are bad what is your response to people who are are skeptical about this symbol and and this way of communicating the state of our world yeah so i think that's fair i think um you know all you have to do is listen to the radio or you know pick up a newspaper to know or really in some cases just look outside to know things are bad um but, uh, you know, what this is is really we're, we're trying to kind of get a sense of, of just how bad they are and what are the things we should worry about. Um, so, for example, you know, how much should we worry about AI and how do we think about this with relation to, you know, nuclear Armageddon or climate change? And, and those are things that, that we're trying to help, you know, elucidate and think through. Uh, but also part of the point of the clock is – you know, what we say is it's kind of a conversation starter. We we set the clock. We announce that here's the time. Mm-hmm. It's now 90 seconds, the closest we've ever been. And and the, you know, at least once a year, I think it makes sense for the kind of world to take stock and say, how are we doing? Are things getting better or worse? Where are we at? And and we're trying to kind of help do that and, and kind of generate the conversation. For example, the conversation we're having right now. Yeah. Where it's like now is a chance to kind of, take stock compared to last year compared to the kind of history of civilization how are we doing and we're not doing great and i think that's a very important message for everyone to get but you know it could get better and 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 that really is the main message yeah. we can turn the hands back on the clock they've gone back and forth over the decades and there's no reason the hands can't be turned back now and and you know i think there are some reasons to think that actions are starting to happen that will, you know, maybe turn back the hands of the doomsday clock yeah. next year. But we don't know. We shall see. We shall Daniel Holtz is a professor of astronomy and astrophysics and physics at the University of Chicago. Thanks for taking the time. Sasha, thanks so much for having me on.